Welcome to Reconstructed Faith, a podcast where we talk about truth you can build your life on. We hope to dive into the hard conversations of life and faith and seek out reasonable, substantive answers. My name is Colson Lechner, and I'm joined by Chris Sherrod and Chris Legg. This is Reconstructed Faith. Welcome back to the Reconstructed Faith podcast. My name is Colson Lechner. Alongside me are uh, Chris Sherrod and Chris Legg. How you doing, guys? Doing great. Doing, doing very good. well. Wonderful. Very, very well. Yep. Um, today we're continuing kind of a conversation that we've had. And a lot of a lot of these, that's one of the things I love about this podcast is just like a continuation. Right. Um, we're having conversations about deconstruction, why people are leaving their faith. Why, why is it important for people who have been in the faith for a long time to deconstruct? Today specifically, I would love for us to do just a, like a brief, you know, synopsis, talk a little bit of it about um, what we talked about, hypocrisy, and then kind of jump into um, some more things, the reasons why people are deconstructing. So I'll throw it over to Chris Sherrod, first of all. Yeah. Well, last time we met, we were talking about, the last couple times, just that in the churches, in any church, it's always going to be imperfect. Mm-hmm. And, and you're never going to find a perfect church. So I think you do find a lot of people that are, always church hopping because you're just stay there a little while and you're going to eventually, if you, if you actually go and get to know people while you're there, you're going to meet, you know, people that you, you know, don't get along with or don't, Mm -hmm. don't Mm -hmm. like, or that are not nice to you. And so if that's the case, you're always until you die going to be trying to find another, uh, another church. And I, it's one of those cliches where, you know, where John F. Kennedy says, ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. Right, right. But even your attitude going to a church is not, what will this do for me? But, okay, so how how does this church fit? How can I fit in with this church? If it's a solid, healthy church, then what can I contribute versus the consumer mentality that a lot of people have? Mm. Um, But anyways, there are legitimate examples of people that really were bad. I mean that do wrong things and that oh, yeah. hurt people and abuse people, that you have real hangups for a real reason. Mm-hmm. And I think that was our point last time is that, yeah, and we don't we don't want to just make the excuse like, oh, well, they weren't real Christians. Like, right. they, you really are hurting, so we don't want to just deny that. But so then what do you do with that, though? Does that mean so you throw everything out or do you? Yes. You know? mm-hmm. That was when we were talking about, and this is one of the, as we're working through this conversation of deconstruction and reconstruction is, that it, I think it is it is important for us to deconstruct our faith in humanity. Mm. Like that, that is a part of, and really almost a part of being a Christian. It's, it certainly seems to be a natural part of maturing as a Christian is that we we deconstruct our faith in humanity, and so we stop looking for humans to do things that humans don't do, and so we're not so shocked and brokenhearted when humans end up failing us, even even religious humans, even religious leader humans again there's no we're not offering up excuses it's just reality yeah um and so it's not so many of these things don't have easy answers if if they had easy answers no one would be deconstructing it it would be really easy and so sometimes the person who's a jerk to you in the name of jesus is not in the name of jesus at all they're not a believer and that's that's legit that's not always legit sometimes they are really believers and they're just human and they're jerks and um, if you analyze your own life, you'll probably discover that you are too, uh, sometimes. And, um, which was interesting to hear from John Redfern last time. And one of the connection points we noticed was, 
uh, in talking with him and getting to hear from him was the, the mature step of identifying with, yeah, you were really hard on me. You were really mean to me. You were really abusive to me today. But but if I'm honest with myself, I've been hard on people and mean to people, even abusive to people at some time in my life. And again, that doesn't excuse anything. It's just it's just reality. So deconstructing our faith in ourselves seems to be kind of the next step after deconstructing your faith in humanity. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe those go in the other order for some people, but um, but those don't require us to deconstruct our faith in God. Right. And another, just kind of tacking onto that, listening to a different podcast yesterday, talking about it, not the necess- necessity, but almost the necessity of like, let's just take an honest look at what we believe, the churches that we're a part of, and seeing what is like, what is cultural uh, that is, you know, basically what has like, what is the gospel right? and what we believe. And then also what is, what's something that we've created. Right. That's like, this is not, this is not true. This right. is something that we've just made up. Right. And so I think that can also fall into that mm-hmm. same thing. So that's, that's really great. Mm-hmm. Thank you for talking about what were, or were you going to add on to that before no, you jump on your next one? Well, there's always the, the funny example of if you were stranded on a desert island, like as if how often that happens, but <laughs> yeah, exactly. if all you had was a Bible and yeah. you were just going to start a church with a bunch of people that you got stranded on an island, like what, if you, again, only went with the Bible, not all these traditions, what mm-hmm. programs would you for sure have or not have, or how many things are wow. optional? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like if we're just going to only go with the Bible, mm-hmm. um, you start to realize how many things really are cultural or just traditions that we think it's always got to be that way. Right. Wherein, like in scripture, in worship, it was uh, reverential, like in the New Testament church, to have something, have your head covered, to have something on your head. Right. But in our culture, it's reverential to take your hat off. Right, exactly. And so mm-hmm. for some people, it'd be like, you're being so disrespectful. It's like, well, that's our cultural yeah. application of being respectful. Yeah. But it shows up in different ways. Yeah. That's that's, yep. yeah, that's, that's all over the place. We run into that all over the place. That's great. Yep. Where we were going, I think, from there was being honest with yourself if you're re- if you're deconstructing your faith, are you already wanting something to not be true for the wrong reasons? In other words, are you deconstructing it so that you can hold on to a belief that you really want to hold on to, or a sin actually that you that you mm-hmm. really want to hold on to? And I think it's an interesting observation about a lot of people is they don't start doubting God's word and then begin sinning. A lot of times it's I'm sinning in this area, and so now I want to hold on to that. Yeah. And so I'm doubting, and I'm doing that in, with my air quotes. Mm-hmm. I'm doubting God's word, but it's really because I don't want it to be true. Yeah. Because they can't both, if I'm going to be honest, they can't both. Right. I can't have both of them. So your story with a lady yeah. or counseling. That was that was many, many years ago, a young lady who was a leader in her youth group and, and a strong believer came in uh, for counseling and I had worked with her when she was a teenager about other issues, totally other issues. And here now, five, six years later, she come she came in and said, um, you know what, I'm really having a crisis of faith. That was the language she used. And we didn't have the word deconstructed yet then. Mm-hmm. She said, I'm having a crisis in my faith. And I said, well, what's going on in your life? And she said, well, I've had this boyfriend for about six months, and I've just changed jobs, and I've this and this. And I just... I just felt like it was appropriate to ask in the moment. I wouldn't normally be this confrontational, but I had known her for so long and, and under different settings. And I said, so how long have you been sleeping with your boyfriend? 
And, and her first response was, you know, well, that's not, that's not what I've come in to talk about. I'm talking about my crisis of faith. And I said, I think maybe those two things are, are interrelated. Let's talk about it. And so it was, um, turns out about, about the time, well, she just said like, well, okay, well, it was about this long ago. Turns out it was about the time she had started having a crisis in her faith. Mm. And so I just asked, is it possible that, that this crisis in your faith is you're afraid of losing something with your boyfriend, but you know that you know that what you're or you believe that what you're doing is not in coordination with following God well. Mm-hmm. And so one of those two things has to give. Either yeah. your faith either has to there's a there's an immovable object mm-hmm. and an irresistible force, and one of them eventually has to give. Which one is it? Is it the relationship with the boyfriend or the behaviors with the boyfriend that's going to change? And not you know not everyone would agree with all of that or all that process and and maybe even I wouldn't do it that way now years later but at that stage that seemed like the right thing and seemed like the right way to engage with it mm-hmm. and and I knew her well enough and it 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 really was significant for her to recognize yeah okay i'm i'm making a decision without making a decision i've i've made the decision that i don't want to lose my boyfriend mm-hmm. and the the relationship with the boyfriend wasn't super healthy it was one of those if I don't keep sleeping with him, I think I'm going to lose him, and I don't want to lose him. Mm-hmm. Whole other issue there in the in regards to, you know, a guy who's put you in that position is not that's not a healthy relationship, right? right. But so she had, rec- as we began to talk to and recognize that, um, and she, you know, decided to go back and work on drawing some boundaries with her boyfriend, and and if I remember correctly, this I mean it's been fifteen twenty years since this, mm-hmm. but is that I, I think he did like when she tried to draw some boundaries, he was not okay with that. Yeah. Yeah. And then she wasn't okay with someone who wasn't okay with her drawing some boundaries based on her convictions. And, yeah. And uh anyway, that was she was an adult. It was all her decision making, but mm-hmm. it was a fascinating interaction. Mm-hmm. But what struck me was how easy it is for us to to realize there's something I want in life. Mm-hmm. And that thing that I want in life is somehow in contradiction with what I believe about the faith. Yeah. And one of them has to give. And so in an effort to help myself get what I want out of life, I began to deconstruct my faith rather than mm-hmm. deconstructing my desires. Yeah. And I, I, I think, too, this was a conversation that we had a few months ago that really kind of helped shine light on a lot of people that I have known that have deconstructed their faith. A lot of it had to do with the radical autonomy piece. Mm-hmm. And so it was not... It wasn't just, this is what I want to do. It was, hey, this is who I am. So this is, this is authentically me. And so what you're saying that, or my, my faith crisis here is I'm saying I'm having faith in something that says that what I'm, what I'm choosing is wrong mm-hmm. and, or who I am, who I identify as or whatever is wrong. And, um, and so I remember you said something and you might want to clear up how you said it, but it was more like, I, I believe that you, you are, you know, you're authentically, I, I can't remember the, oh, and what we can edit. Right. Yes. And so it was like, I believe you're being authentic, but I also believe that you're living out of your flesh. I don't, how would you say that? So what I, I think I said was, <laughs> I believe you that you're being authentic, but you're being authentic to your flesh. First of all, like I'm, I believe you that you have those desires. Sure. Um, I've got a whole lot of desires that are not right. Yep. And so it's a matter of what do you do with those? And so the autonomy that you were talking about, which it literally, that word literally means self law, 
is yep. such a big deal today. Everything is, it's all about you have it your own way. Um, mm-hmm. You call the shots. And so the big question that all of us have is who gets to write our story? Like mm-hmm. who's in charge? And in our world today, that's, it's like, who does God think he is that he can tell me, you know, how to live? And it's <laughs> who died and made him God. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> but it's in uh, Romans one, right after it talks about people suppressing the truth that God has clearly revealed, right, to protect their own beliefs and behavior, it goes on and it says, although they knew God, they neither honored Him as God nor gave thanks to Him. So again, it's not a matter of I don't believe in God anymore. I'm just not going to honor Him as God. Right. I'm not going to give thanks to Him. I'm I'm in charge, and it's the smorgasbord thing where I'll go through and pick cherry pick the parts of the Bible that I like and not the parts that don't. And so that's where I was saying mm. even before that people, sometimes you got to be careful when you reconstruct your faith. Mm-hmm. It ends up being this really liberal, God is cool with any religion and there's many ways to heaven and God is fine with as long as you're in love or happy. You know, it ends up being this non-biblical thing that you mm-hmm. reconstructed. And that's where Jesus explained that to Nicodemus even back in John 3, verse 19. He just goes, here's the verdict just to kind of boil it down, he says, light has come into the world. Yep. Men love darkness because of their sin. They they don't want to come to the light because their deeds are evil. And um, Paul echoes that same thing in 2 Timothy 4, 3 and 4, where he says the time is going to come when men won't put up with sound teaching, sound doctrine. Mm-hmm. Right. The, the Greek word is healthy, hygiano. It's where we get the word hygiene. Oh, nice. Uh, healthy doctrine instead to suit their own desires— They'll gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not a matter of what is true. It's what I want to be true, what I yeah. want to hear. And it says they'll turn away from uh, the truth and turn aside to myths. Yeah. And a myth is an invented story, you know, to give an explanation for something. So it's mm-hmm. just I'm turning to something other than God's truth to yeah. hear what I want to hear. Mm-hmm. And doing that, following myths, no matter how honest you are, you'll always be mm-hmm. myth taken. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's that my That's dad joke for the day. Wow. Nice. That was painful. No, that was great. But there are other, like, I, I think it's cool that I'm glad that we spent time defining truth and mm-hmm. we'll, I know we'll keep hitting on yes. that, but it's like, because a lot of these conversations, as we kind of boil them down, it kind of comes back to, okay, but what do we believe? Yeah. Right. What do you, yeah. what is your standard of truth? Um, yeah, that was the, so, I, I mentioned, I, I, I was listening to the podcast and heard myself say something like, I'm sure we'll be that the definitions section will always yeah, be. Yeah, I feel like that'll podcast. just be a thread. <laughs> yeah, you know. But I'm glad that we started with that. Yeah. You know, too. because that's just kind of because and I feel like I was even watching uh a Ben Shapiro video recently and he had somebody, you know, come up at one of his rallies and kind of ask him some questions. And he's his first thing that he says is, well, their their first problem was they didn't define their terms. Right. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, so in, in a lot of areas in our culture today, defining terms so that we can at least be, or have like common understanding is super important. Yeah. Yes. So, so if you're listening to this and you're like, I don't really know what, like my definitions aren't, you know, I don't, I don't know what they mean by truth. Yes. Maybe go back and listen to that episode. Um, listen to the one about faith. So the, so we kind of unpacked yes. the thing about hypocrisy. Yep. Can you jump into the next H on your list, Chris? Well, the heaven and hell one? Yeah. Okay. Or I mean, it, or do we want to... We no, were kind of started on the hard decisions. Oh, I feel like we kind of yeah. we have breached that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, I, let's stay well, yeah. there for a little bit. The hard decisions of like, 
there's a there's a sin in my life there's that I've struggle. got to choose. I've got mm-hmm. a struggle yeah. in my life. There's a belief in my life. And we remember we talked about the key distinction between I think we did that within the Christian worldview there should be a huge distinction mm-hmm. between embracing sin in our life and exactly struggling with or facing sin right. in our life and right. and whatever those things are. All of us as Christians struggle with sin. anyone who who say there says they're done with sin is a liar. Uh, right, as, as John says so. Um, but we're not done with sin in that sense, mm-hmm. and that we there is sin in our life. The difference is it doesn't own us or define us or or whatever. Mm-hmm. We're struggling against it, yeah. even though we fail. Yes, the distinction between that and saying no, I know this is sin, I know this is morally wrong, but I'm choosing it anyway. Mm-hmm. That's those are two very very different things within the church within the Christian life. Yeah, but even that application only applies to Christians. Mm-hmm. Um, and for someone who's out there who's not a believer, um, I'm I'm sorry for all the times Christians try to modify your behavior. Um, that's not that's not what Christianity is about. It's not about getting you to stop sinning. It's mm-hmm. you, you need to understand who Christ is and what that means for you. Bef- you, you know, Billy Graham used to say, "Let let God scale his fish after he catches them." Huh. Um, but the tendency for us to try to scale them in the water is really silly. Um, let mm. you know, let that be an issue with them. But um, yeah, I feel like this is this conversation of and and this is not meant to minimize the real questions that it's not an ad hominem attack. We're not attacking the person that we say they say, "Oh, I've got these questions about Christianity." Mm-hmm. We're not going to say, "Oh, you're sleeping with your girlfriend?" Like I don't that's that's not <laughs> right. that's We're not just hominem. trying to catch you out. Right. It it it's something for people to be aware of in their own lives and in the lives of the people they love that sometimes people who are protesting are are really wrestling with a decision about sin, for example. Um, that's not the only one. There's a lot of them. Um, it may just be hard decisions about, like we talked about, like about suffering. Mm-hmm. So you might unpack. I think you called it hard times or, or hard hardship. Hardship. There yeah. you go. What? How do you see that as one of the things that causes us to deconstruct? Well, this is related to <clears throat> kind of the straw straw man faith that we mentioned a number mm. of podcasts ago that a lot of people have the idea that God, because he loves you, won't let you suffer. Mm. Um, and then you don't have to live too long and discover that <laughs> um, I'm, I'm going to suffer. But that has nothing to do with whether or not God loves you. Um, and again, that's that was a pre preconceived idea that you brought to your circumstances that actually just isn't true. In fact, the Bible promises just in this world you have trouble. That's Jesus right. said John that. 14, yeah. And then um, 16, 15, 16. God uses trials to strengthen our faith, to grow our faith. He's actually the one who is shaking our faith to make it more unshakable. Mm-hmm. Uh, James 1 talks about that, that you can count it joy because it's producing perseverance in you when your faith is tested. I think it's just it. there are really, really painful, hard things that people go through that you don't want to minimize and make it sound like, well, but look at the, the on the bright side, your faith mm. is stronger. That right. it, it really yeah. still hurts, and it doesn't. the The thing that I that I shared before about suffering is when I was a waiter, and a couple of my sons have been waiters before. Um, if you get your if your order comes back and it's wrong at your table, there's three options: either I communicated it wrong to right. the waiter, or they wrote it down wrong, or the cook cooked it wrong. But all three of those, you're assuming this wasn't done on purpose. None of us meant to do right, that. Right. It, it was an accident. But the hard thing about our belief in God being sovereign and all-powerful and, and all-knowing, all those things, is 
if something happens, it, it wasn't an accident. Like he allowed that. Mm-hmm. And so that's what makes it really hard for people to reconcile. Like how could a loving God allow evil? Why would yeah. a loving God allow evil? And the, the argument that's been called the rock of atheism is an all powerful God could stop evil or prevent mm-hmm. evil mm-hmm. and innocent suffering. And all loving God would stop evil and innocent suffering, but evil and innocent suffering exists. Therefore, there's not an all-powerful, all-loving right. God. So the, the first one is, of course, God could stop evil if he's all-powerful. The, the assumption is an all-loving God would never allow any evil. That That's where you start to go, well, you might need to clarify that because... As parents, we allow our kids to go through suffering. We allow them, mm-hmm. you know, to get... I always use the example of their inoculations, um, getting a shot. That It really hurts. It's so hard to take them. My my daughter-in-law took my grandson recently for shots, and she was filming herself afterwards kind of talking about it, that she was just kind of weepy just <laughs> watching him cry in that instance. And you're, and, but you're, it's your fault. You're the one who... You know what I mean? You you took them right. to go get those shots. And so I've I've used that before... As an example, I don't know if we talked about it in here. I said, what would you think of me if I if I told you I have allowed a perfect stranger to plunge a sharp object into my child? Right. You'd be like, what kind of parent are you? But it's like, that's what happens when we take them to get their shots. Right. They don't know there's a nurse, and I'm, I'm the one taking them there, and I'm usually the one helping hold him down. Right. There's just the look of betrayal on their face when they <laughs> yes. look at you. Yes. <laughs> like, I remember it. You of all people. That's right. Um, but... I couldn't explain to my child why we're doing this. I mean, I could try. Right. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't get it. They wouldn't no. understand it. Right. They just get the pain. And, right. But yeah. I'm still going to do it because I love them, whether or not they they agree, or I, whether or not I have their permission. Yep. I know what's I know what's best for them in that. Well, that was a when we talked about because this this issue the Epicurus is the trilemma the mm-hmm. the that what you just described. If God is unable to prevent evil, he's not all-powerful. If he's unwilling to prevent evil, he's not all-good. If he is willing and able, then why does evil exist? Mm-hmm. And I agree with you that obviously God could stop evil. He could have decided not to allow evil in the universe, to not allow freedom, to not allow. Mm-hmm. And and this is such a deep question when we talk about why humans suffer. Like you said, there's a lot of different buckets that can go into mm-hmm. I, When I try to explain it, I, I, it reminds me of like the one of those circus... Uh, you know, money cons where you're supposed to throw a, a ball and it's supposed to land in one of the cups. <laughs> right. Yeah. And and it never it never does. But it's it's like that. There's a cup that says, "Oh, I'm suffering because of my own stupidity and my own foolishness. Mm-hmm. That's why I suffer." Okay. Well, sometimes when I suffer, it's that one. I can throw it in that cup. Um, sometimes I suffer because of other people's stupidity and foolishness that I I'm innocent of, and yet I'm suffering for it. Well, that I could. Okay. There's that one. There's kind of the mass of humanity decision makings that humans have done is is if you go well people died in a snowstorm caused by you know climate change okay well if if that's if that's the case then all of humanity caused these conditions right. and someone died in it like okay there's that one then and you can do so many is it but there's some that that we don't get like well there's a there was a, a volcano that went off and that doesn't seem to be anybody's fault God could have stopped that and that's or or in in you know endemic like uh, you know, bone cancer in children, the right. example, or, yeah. and even with the ones with humans, why wouldn't God stop those? I, I mean, when the, when the abuser shows up in the child's room for the first time, why don't they fall over dead from a heart attack in that instant? Why doesn't God? And, and in the end, 
it makes sense that it's something that we question and it's something that's hard for us to deal with. And it is, I run into that one a lot, but, but part of what you talked about, the question is, can we prove that God doesn't have a good use for that suffering? That there's not a worthwhile, no matter how horrific it seems, that it's not somehow in the best interest of that person or of humanity or of, you know, God's purposes in the world. And, and the, the truth is it's really, really tough to, it's hard to imagine for us as humans sometimes to imagine why that was a better thing. But most of us know stories of people who faced horrific suffering and that's what led them mm-hmm. to a relationship with God. Um, I have made a friend, them who they are today. Yeah. I have a friend who we've talked about. I've actually already thought about having her on the podcast because um, she does those, but she talks about, for example, I thought about having her come for the last conversation because she's recently been on a podcast saying I, I, she was more comfortable as a stripper than in the church that she felt more accepted mm-hmm. at the strip club than at the church. And, um, uh, but her, the horrific abuse that she experienced as a child, she would say without that, she doubts that she would have ever put her faith in God. And I don't, I don't, I don't like that. I'm not comfortable with that. But, it, right. but if you know, I I can't argue with her about it, obviously. But there is a how do we know when when we had the atheist um, uh, David Smalley come speak at the church and he and I answered questions back and forth. Um, one of my favorite kind of moments in it because we had developed a little bit of a friendship was when I threw this question when he got this question and and started talking about his own children and started talking about how you know he takes his children to the dentist which is, is kind of a euphemism for torture. We all talk about, you know, bless, thank you all you dentists out there who are willing to be portrayed as, you know, somehow horrible people for the sake of our teeth. Right. But, um, but as he got done talking about that and about how, you know, this was, I take my children to the dentist, they don't understand why. They just know it's torture and it's horrible and they hate me for it. Well, he kind of gets done and says, I, Gosh, I feel like I just answered the question in a way that defends your view better. And I was like, "No, no, keep talking." Like you, yes, the defense rests. Keep going. Like that was that was awesome. Um, but what he's talking about, and what you mentioned, is there's a third leg to that stool that we believe God's all powerful, right? And He's all loving, but He's also all knowing, right? And that's the one that never, no one brings that up right. in that argument. And so, if God is all knowing, when I see something that happens or experience something that happens, um. It doesn't prove that God isn't loving. It proves that I'm ignorant. Right. That's right. what it means. I just don't know what yep. could. If, in my mind, I'm thinking, <laughs> I can't think of a good reason for this. Therefore, it shouldn't be happening. That's right. Which just proves that I just can't think of a good reason. Right. Um, just like the analogy of the child who can't imagine a good reason for going to the dentist right, or getting right. a shot or yeah. undergoing surgery or even being disciplined. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, I mean, even as rational as I got as a teenager, there were times when. I could not fathom my, why my parents were disciplining me. They were so irrational and so unreasonable, and it made no sense, and it was whatever. And now as an adult, I'm thinking, no, yeah, that was pretty good. That was, that was, that was pretty good discipline yeah. um, because I lacked the perspective. I lacked the history. In fact, not to spend too much time here, but uh, and I think we talked once. I mentioned once on the podcast already about being raised by professors and how that makes me comfortable with, Okay, God mm-hmm. gets to be the expert. Yeah, yeah. Um, but man, after studying the book of Job, which is about this topic, the most ancient, probably the most ancient book in the Bible, and we're talking about this topic, is that at the end, when talking with an atheist, well, I think it was with David, when he he said, God is, I mean, God is so mean to Job at the end of the book of Job. And I'm like, I, wow, I don't see that at all. I see God being super gentle and patient. 
and a little bit snarky. Mm-hmm. Like when God's like, so I'm curious, I'm trying to remember if you were there <laughs> when I created the earth. And right. I'm thinking back, and I don't think you were there, Job. I'm just, no, I think you were. Like, And then asking questions like, well, maybe you can help me with some easy ones, Job. Like how does, how does where does snow uh-huh. come from? Can you explain that? I mean, we still use weather phenomenon as the example of chaos theory to this day. That it's beyond our ability to predict perfectly. God says, so I'm, I'm curious, if you, are you on top of that one? Or can you do the easy stuff? How about, let's do a really easy one. Can you catch a crocodile? Mm-hmm. Maybe just go out and grab me a crocodile real quick. Can you do the easy ones? No. Those are the easy ones. The, and the easy ones, by the way, include things like, can you spin stars into space, right, ignite right. them and set them on fire and send them into space? Like, Oh, you can't do that one either. In my mind, God is saying, you lack the perspective, you lack the, understanding you lack the raw intelligence that even if i tried to unpack this for you you couldn't get it mm-hmm. like trying to explain vaccines to a child yep. and they're not going to get it try trying to explain discipline to a teenager they're not going to get it and trying to explain taxes to me i'm not <laughs> i'm not going to get it I, that's, you know what can you help me answer this question because I don't, I don't i don't get this my brain mm-hmm. doesn't do that this is about deconstructing humanity again mm-hmm. it's about the problem of human suffering and the fact that we don't understand it is either a God who needs to be deconstructed or humanity's pride that needs to be deconstructed. The right. third option. Mm-hmm. What if I lack the perspective to understand why God allowed mm. this kind of abuse? Yeah. And I agree that that's hard and that it's a step of faith. Mm. I agree that it's hard. It's not blind faith. It's not ignorant faith. It is a faith that says, I know there, there are experts in the world. There are people who get this. This makes sense. And yet I don't, I'm not going to fully comprehend what God's doing here. Mm-hmm. That's okay. And I think to remember that that's essentially what the cross was all about. Like God mm. doing something about suffering. Like mm, sin yeah. coming into the world is what brought suffering in the first place and death. And so you've got this reminder from the book of Job or a lot of Psalms that God Scripture's not silent on this issue of suffering. I mean, a whole lot of Psalms. Oh, gosh, no, not at all. And Isaiah talks about he's close to the brokenhearted. Um, and so you, you, you get the sense that God is not ever heartless in any of this. But again, he's got a really great, great reason. Even in Lamentations where it talks about God is the one. In Lamentations 3, one of my favorite, like, first 20 verses are him talking about how tough things are, but mm-hmm. then he turns and he says, but this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They're new. Every morning great is your faithfulness. But a few verses later it says, um, but though he caused grief, talking about God, he will have compassion according to the abundance of his, his steadfast love, for he does not willingly afflict or or." grieve the children of men. And that word willingly literally means from his heart. In other words, it's how I'm feeling when I'm taking my kids to the doctor to get their shots. It's like, yeah, this hurts. I I don't enjoy watching you go through this. So, but I'm going to do it anyways, because I know something that that you don't know. And that's ultimately what we look forward to in the book of Revelation, that he's going to wipe away all all the tears. There's no more death, no more suffering. And he ultimately Mm. solves that problem of, Mm. of evil, which... If you've never read, I, I don't know if we mentioned it in here, but The Problem of Pain is a book that C.S. Lewis wrote that's all about suffering and evil mm. and right. gives an explanation. And he talks about what you said, Chris, about couldn't God just make that guy drop yep. dead uh, from a heart attack? He says something along the effects of all matter 
in the in the in the realm of a bad person would would be really unstable because if he takes a piece of wood he's going to hit you over the head with all of a sudden it becomes soft as grass. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah, exactly. The sound waves around you wouldn't obey the words coming out of your mouth if right. they're evil. Like it's just I don't think we want the world that we think right. we want. Right. Like do you want a world where every time you're about to do something that God disapproves of, he stops you and you can't. Right. So that's where a lot of people are selective in the kind of evil they want God to oh, stop. Oh yeah. That's a there's no doubt that one problem with that is the question of where where do you stop that? Right. right. So okay, oh okay, we can all agree that child sexual abuse, God needs to end that one. Right. Okay, we okay, we can all agree with that one. And again, that starts with the pride of we all need to agree on it. Yeah. But but what about just misbehavior? And and what about if God I mean, very much so people who are f- deconstructing their faith probably don't want God to say, okay, everything I disapprove of, I'm now going to make impossible. I'm going to step in. You can still want it. You can still pursue it. I'm just going to, every right. time before you fulfill it, I'm going to damage something so that you can't. Yeah. And and that would be, that's just not freedom. And so I, I get the idea. That makes, that makes some sense to me as well. And even with your perspective, people go, well, but who I sleep with is different than, you know, starving children in Africa. But it's like, well, but that's, according to you, you have the, the different, right, you this is that. worse than this, in versus, well, what does God think? Does right. God think that sleeping with someone you're not married to in a covenant relationship actually really is wrong? Right. And do you want him to stop you every time? Yeah, that's a, um, that's, that is exactly part of this conversation when we talk about hard decisions. It is, can, can I accept God's perspective on these things? Mm-hmm. Am I willing to accept God's perspective on these things? even if I don't fully get it. And, and that's in my mind, that makes sense that I'm not going to fully get things that that's, mm-hmm. I don't know how much of that is just my intuition or that I've been so wrong so many times every in my whole life. I mean, I just feel like that's so easily done that my feeling of, no, I have to fully get this. Does I don't have a high meter for that. Uh-huh. And, and I don't know again, how much of that is just like that. We showed, um, uh, Colson, was that with the other podcast? With yeah, when we were showing the video of the people bouncing the ball, the mm-hmm. you count the number of times the white the people oh, yeah, pass yeah, the white yeah, ball yeah. or whatever the people in white pass the ball, um, the selective perspective <sighs> test or what is selective right. visual whatever. Because what is it in there? There's a a gorilla, a, moon, a moonwalking bear. I've seen one. There's like a moonwalking <laughs> yeah. bear, and you're like, how did I miss yeah. that? <laughs> and so it's it is amazing how people will like a huge percentage of people. And so again, it's so easy to be for us to be wrong. It's just it seems like a healthy, rational perspective to acknowledge. I feel like this about this, but I could be wrong about that. And I feel like that goes back to again to deconstructing those things. And that that comes true in regards to everything from human suffering, which I consider to be very understandable. And and I I'm not comfortable with it, and I don't like it. But again, that's I don't. That's I'm talking about me again. All the way to why God forbids certain behaviors between humans. I don't have to understand the the ramifications of all of that. I don't fully understand. One of my one of the examples I, I also love to reference, and I just got to comment on because it, it, I know it's outdated a little bit now. But some you guys may remember when there was the huge oil spill. The the it was the oil the actual container had broken off at the ground and it was spilling oil up the from B, the... Like the BP one? I think that's yeah, right, yeah, down yeah. on the coast of yeah. Texas. And how everybody had an idea for how to fix it. 
Do you remember that? Like, yeah. for some reason, it stands out to me that Kevin Costner had a plan for fixing it. Like, I don't know what <laughs> really? that's like, that he was like, hey, here's what you got to do. And and I thought about I mean, my idea immediately was like, why don't they just drop a big concrete block on it? I mean, this shouldn't be. But the thought of asking somebody who is an expert in whatever paleo oil, I don't even know what oceanographic, I don't even know what the title for that Oil-o- would be. Oilology. Oh, no, oilology. Anyway, but the, <laughs> Them sitting, me sitting down with one of them. Again, this is my professor mindset. Sitting down with one of them and saying, "Hey, why don't you throw a big concrete block on it?" And having them look at me and go, "What do you know about barometric pressure?" Right. And what do you know about it at a mile down in the water? Like I mean, nothing. I mean nothing. Like <laughs> okay. What do you know about hitting a one foot square object a mile down in the water with something like, oh, is it that? It's that. Wow, it's that, huh? Like a nothing. I, I mean, I, I don't know. Is that what you would have to do? Like, what do you know about the pressure of the Earth's crust on a pool of oil under the? Oh, that's that's a thing too. Wow, that at some point he would say or she would say, Chris, it's not going to work. You can just trust me that it's not going to work, or we could spend the next twenty years getting you educated up to the point where you would know why it won't work. And, and again, I'm so comfortable with that mindset that I can watch a horrific thing happen. As a therapist, I hear the worst things that happen to people's lives and say, that's, that's unthinkable. I have no idea why God allowed that. I cannot fathom allowing it. But I also can't catch a crocodile, and I'm willing to accept that maybe God does understand it. And in fact, if I could add, Samuel Colt's my other example, like I've always thought when it comes to behaviors, that when Sam Colt, Colonel Colt, who invented the revolver, mm-hmm. oh. like when he gives you advice, like don't point the cylindrical in at yourself and pull the trigger part, that you should listen. He invented it. I mean, he created this thing. He invented mm-hmm. it. So his instructions should be very valuable. Given that God, I believe, designed humanity, him saying, hey, don't, don't do sex this way. Again, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to accept that maybe he knows what he's talking about. No, I, I don't promise. I don't say that I always obey him. Like I actually believe, I believe it in my behavior, but I'm willing to accept that there's something there he's got that I don't. And the struggle comes in also with people saying, but I really do feel this. I really do of want course. this. I yes. don't want that. And that's, I think that's what ends up the tension that they're feeling that they end up giving. And a lot of times I've had staffers before Colson and I have talked about that, um, one of them in particular who worked for me on, on leadership, his, his struggle was homosexuality, and he knew that while he was working with us and, and we had conversations very real and, and how are you wrestling with that and how can I pray for you and what's your accountability and stuff. But then a couple years later when he had, you know, was in a different environment, he came out saying that he'd embrace homosexuality and God's fine with it. Me and God have had a good talk about it, and, right. and I'm good with it. And I just think it's that example where he finally just said, I can't live with this desire is so strong and I, and I want it to be okay. And so I'm going to change what I believe about the Bible right? versus let the Bible change. And there's a really great distinction that Rosaria Butterfield and Sam Albrey have weighed in. I don't know who said it first, but are these desires how you are or who you are? And mm. I think in our culture, any desire that you have, mm. they're like, oh, that's got, that's who you are. That's your ultimate identity. Right. Versus, no, this is what sin has done to me. It's I. We all have messed up desires right? because of sin. And so desires that I have, I think Sam puts it this way, desires that I have that go against God's word aren't evidence of how God has made me, but how sin has marred me mm. is the way he puts it. So again, 
we're back to what you mentioned earlier, Colson, of uh-huh. I believe you that you have those desires. You're being authentic. Yeah. But it, that's just how you are. Like, and it's not an excuse, but sure you have those desires, but that's what Jesus came to redeem you from and to give right. you a new heart for, to empower you to, to conquer. And so you can't just say, I have these desires, therefore I get to fulfill them. Um, you, you get to deal with them and bring them to the Lord and mm. wrestle with them. So it's how you are, but it's not who you are. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why it's a, it's a struggle because if, if you think that that's your identity, then anytime people question it or say it's wrong, it's like, well, you're attacking who I am. Right. And so defining even what it means, what do you mean by who you are mm-hmm. is another issue. But I just think a lot of times the heart, <clears throat> the heart of the problem is the problem of the heart. <laughs> that that's ultimately what okay. that you're dealing with. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Reconstructive Faith. If you enjoyed what you heard or were challenged, please leave us a review. It'll help other people find us. If you have questions or a topic you'd like to hear discussed, shoot me an email at info at southspring.org. Reconstructed Faith is a resource of South Spring Baptist Church. Remember, don't give up, trust God, search for answers. <laughs>